When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to DraftKings Network. I mean, this is a sport that's on the precipice of irrelevance. The games are taking over three and a half hours. Playoff games are taking over four hours. Game's too long, too slow. Who cares? This is a situation where baseball's in trouble to begin with. The MLB is officially dead. Baseball is dead. Rest in peace dallas on that oakland a's wi-fi in a hotel somewhere Holla. i don't know i don't know where he's at but uh if there's a delay don't come at jake for any editing issues it's because dallas it's almost like uh like uh on the weather channel when they're talking to the field reporter who's out there in a fucking torrential downpour and they're like, Dallas, you know, you're out there and, and it's Hurricane Katrina. Like, what are you seeing down there? What, what's going on? And they're just like. It's really blowing out here, Jared. <laughs> <laughs> it's really blowing hard. <laughs> I tell you, it's cats and dogs out here. <laughs> I'm not quite sure if you guys got me back in the studio, <laughs> but it is violent. I feel like I feel like uh, if (laughs) if Dallas was never born with baseball talent, that uh, in in another life, you are a field reporter (laughs) weatherman like you're the dude that sees like the the lightning storm during a during a snowstorm. You're like, did you see that? Did you see that? Like that? I could definitely see you being that guy. Let me tell you, when I first moved to L.A., turned on the news one morning and I saw this dude who looked like he had just walked out of the back room of the most dimly lit and most connected Italian restaurant you could ever possibly go to. Mm. And this man was up up on the screen talking about a fucking high pressure front and a fucking. And I was like, who is who is this guy? Like, I didn't catch his name when he came on. Right. Like who the who the fuck is this dude? Because this dude is pure electricity. And there is mm-hmm. only one reason people even watch any part of this news channel. And it's because of this motherfucker right here. Google this dude's name and just look him up. And and the, the fucking name, Jared, the, the name that I'm about to give you for a weather man. It cannot be topped. It cannot be topped. I've sat and thought about what I would call myself. And I'm like, fuck, this dude has it. He has fucking, it. Is he Larry his Lightning Bolt? Fucking, his name is Dallas Reigns. What? Wait, R-E-I-G-N-S? Dallas. Whoa. Reigns. Oh, R-I- I mean, okay. All right. Yeah. Look at that guy. Yeah. Look at that guy. <clears throat> He's at some that work That guy tells done. you two things. <laughs> that guy tells you two things. To put a sweater on. And don't fuck with him because you will end up wearing a pair of cement boots. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He's uh, <laughs> his 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 face 
looks like uh, he he did like a face plant during a pottery class. <laughs> he just. I found a shirtless picture I of him. Believe- you could buy fifty one dollars. <laughs> Google Joe, shirtless weatherman Dallas Rain CRP. Why would you? Why, why would you? Why would that be the first thing that you put before his name in a Google search? Yeah, why? Why are no, you I'm Googling shirtless weatherman, Joe? Just curious. <laughs> looks like he had a good physique. Shirtless like weatherman Dallas Rains. Yeah, he's. Uh, <laughs> you can buy pictures of him shirtless on eBay. In he's wearing suspenders, but he is shirtless. On, on yeah. I recommend taking in a, yeah. a weather update from Dallas Rains. It's <laughs> it's good time. <laughs> yeah. Where is he where is he uh where is he giving updates at? Is he national? No, no. I, it's just it's LA. Like I don't yeah, LA. <laughs> and on and I mean he'll he give just, like, you know, bro, yeah, Los Angeles, the greater Los Angeles area, the metropolitan. He'll give, you know, weather reports on all that. The valley and blah blah blah, but it feels like he's just giving you like the weather report in like in Brentwood because <laughs> weather's going to be different <laughs> everywhere else except for in this one little pocket like Brentwood maybe maybe the hills you know you know it doesn't ever rain there there's no poor weather there it's always 74 slight breeze not a cloud in the sky and that's going to be the easiest job in drops the world that on doing you. doing the fucking weather oh, on the is. west coast sunny shit man it's going to be it's yep. going to be 81 you know but it's going to be maybe, you, yeah, I don't know, like 70, 70 by sunset. No rain. Yeah. And come November to February, it's just, uh, you know, maybe pack a light jacket with you. But other than that, you should be fine. It's like, okay, so you just prepared for everything that could come your way with a, like, ah, word, jacket, done. Jacket, covered, done. Uh, we got a big show for you today on this Wednesday. We have the debut of Joey's new segment that he's going to try to remember to do every Wednesday uh, when we take a look Joey's at chestnuts. Who, Joey's chestnuts, <laughs> who's on pace for what. Uh, and surprisingly, maybe not so surprisingly, I mean, if you're following Jay Hay on Twitter, but I was not privy to the fact that we were going to be graced with a Baines meter update. At some point later wow. in the show. Wow. Just had to tickle the balls a little bit. Because I've been waiting to hear that Baines meter music a lot of people for have. quite some time now. And today, today's the day. There's another Baines meter update. Uh, I'm excited for that. But first, um, I, I, uh, I'm going to take 90 seconds to ad- address... <laughs> The Twitter drama from this past week. So it started unfolding fully, on this. You're gonna have to. Fu- you're gonna have to fully catch me up. I, I'm aware of how it started here on the show mm-hmm. because Matt Strong yeah. will bitch slap the fuck out of you. And from there, I don't think he would. I, I, I I've heard. I don't. I haven't been kept abreast. I haven't been able yeah, to follow. Just the, the cliff notes. The cliff notes version is Caleb Ort is a Red Sox reliever who is not good at baseball and everyone hated him. So I said, I'm going to support Caleb Ort. So I over the top supported the guy. Yep. Supported him. Then he blocked me, which was very confusing because I was the only fan that he had. So I tweeted 
that he blocked me. I made a response video, which is again my job. Like that's people are like, oh, he's rent free, dude. He's swimming. I'm like, no, no, no. Like I'm I'm a baseball content creator. Like that's what I do. So I made a video about it. It was very tongue in cheek. Supposed to be a joke. Matt Strom, no sense of humor. He responds to my tongue in cheek joke video seriously by saying, well, no Major League Baseball player sucks, which is just not true. Like, I, that's the one thing that annoys me about people <clears throat> the most is when you respond seriously to something that is clearly a joke. Like, I think we we're all smart individuals here. I think we all understand that it's impossible to suck at baseball and make it to the big leagues. You knew that I meant he sucks compared to other big leaguers, which is fair to say. And if anyone's going to sit there and say they've never said a, a player in a professional sport uh, sucks before, then you are you're the king. You're the king and the queen. Thank you. I, I'm the only person that's ever said that a, that a professional athlete sucks. I'm the only person that's ever said it. And that's that's the end of that. So Matt Strom involves himself in uh, a conflict that's between me and Caleb Ort, which really wasn't even a conflict at all. It was actually very strange. <clears throat> so then, you know, Matt Strom is chirping and I and I'm faced with a choice now. Do I break character? Do I explain to him like, hey, man, this is a joke. Like, stop being fucking serious. Or do I just keep going down this path with him? And continue to just whatever. So I choose to just go down this path with him. Like, I'm not going to like, I feel like it takes away from it if you have to like stop and explain the joke. So the next day, which was yesterday, I mean, the baseball gods, they know what's up. Mastrom gives up a bomb because of course he does. He's having a good year, but of course he's going to give up a home run in his first start after this Twitter beef. So I tweet the video and all I say is, you just hate to see it. I mean, I you hate to see that. That's it. The most hard. I didn't say you bitch ass motherfucker giving up this bomb. You pussy bitch. You suck. I didn't say that. I just said, wow, I hate to see it. It's a it's a very subtle jab. Harmless. And then the Phillies top pitching prospect tweets me and says, like, oh, be a professional, you fucking scumbag. <laughs> and I'm like, what? Like, on what planet are we no longer allowed to like it. tweet clips of the dude gave up a home run? And by the way, everyone's like, oh, now you're just playing the victim. Like, maybe don't talk shit about players. I never said a word about Matt Strom. We were not talking about him. I never said a word about Andy Painter. I didn't even know who he was <laughs> until yesterday. He's the top pitching prospect of the Phillies system. And then he just comes from the clouds and wants to talk shit. And I'm like, bro, why can we no longer have fun anymore? Like we had a little twi Twitter beef oh. yesterday. He gave up a home run. Why can't I tweet the video of him giving up the home run? I didn't say anything disparaging. Sure. It was a little jab. I said, you hate to see it. And before you say anything, Dallas, because I know you're not going to have my back here. You're the number of well, active. You don't know that. You don't know that. The, you didn't have my back on the last episode. The number of active big leaguers, active big leaguers that reached out and were like, man, what is Strom doing? Like, you got to have more feel than that. What are you doing? Like, Jack's just dicking around. Like, he's not, there's nothing malicious here. There's nothing like we can't take a joke anymore. Or if, if you're, if you're pitching bad, you can't just, 
accept the fact that that's on you. I, I don't know. So, and when I tell you, like, there was not one big leaguer that reached out that was like, I don't know, man. Like, you know, sometimes like maybe you should like let up or whatever. And like, I had people trying to argue with me saying, you know, maybe if you weren't such a piece of shit and blah, blah. I was like, bro, I have been on Twitter <laughs> since 2009, 2009. I live tweet every game and try to elevate every player as much to the best of my ability. If I see something positive, I see something cool. If, if this guy's playing well, I go out of my way to put the spotlight on that guy. I'm not trying to crush anyone, which is how this all started. It literally started because I didn't want to crush Caleb Ort. I was like, I don't want to say anything mean about this player. I want to, I will like, if everyone's going to crush him, I'm going to be the one guy that does it. And that's how this all started. So it's absolutely <laughs> fucking crazy to me that as a guy with a pretty large platform in the baseball space, I'm literally trying to a mind my own fucking business and B be the guy that only highlights positive things so that these players like get their shine. Don't know how the fuck I ended up in this position where I'm taking on the entire Philadelphia Phillies uh, organizational pitching staff. Don't know how we got here, but well, I, I tweeted Strom last night because he he responded to the video of the home run and he was like, I got got and I said, hey, truce, whatever. You got your jab in. I got my jab in. We move on. I mean, I feel like I've got a pretty strong idea of how you got here. And please tell me, I think it all has. Well, like, like I mean, <laughs> again, I think what you're seeing are the young athletes that you have stood behind for so long, Jared. Finally saying, you know what? If I'm not here for the tongue in cheek and somebody is going to bang the drum that that is that they are absolutely fully genuinely supporting someone, but I don't believe that to be true. I'm going to say something about it. And I think it's that not, is what it's happened. not genuine, but it, that's the thing. Like, so I, here's the comparison that I've been using. <laughs> well, that's what that's, that's how we got here. But I have yeah, no other choice now. I'm not telling like, you you're wrong. It's a lose lose. I'm either going to crush the guy and be mean, which I don't want to do, or I'm going to support him, even though he's mm -hmm. bad. Like I, it's a lose lose for me. All I said was because people were like, well, well you're mocking him and you, you don't mean that. I'm like, no shit, dude. Yeah. But it's the same thing as right. when you're a parent and you're 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 at your kid's game and your kid sucks at the sport. If you're still going like, yay, little Tommy, even though he sucks, you're not mockingly supporting him. You're just it's unconditional support. That's what it was. It was unconditional. Do I want him to do bad? No, he's on my team. I'm not I'm not saying, yay, go Caleb. And then under my breath being like, fucking hope this motherfucker gives a bomb. Like, no, I'm like, yay, go Caleb, well, even though you, you know suck. What happened? Like, it's hope you do well anyway. That's so what it is. is. It's unconditional support, which is there's nothing wrong with that. Well, then you know what? This was just a really, really bad time for you to develop this unconditional support for an extremely random player. And other people not realize you were turning over this new leaf in our life. This is the intersection. I of guess. What the fuck? Why doesn't anybody understand me? That's what this. That's where we're at. I'm right too. Now. I get it. My kayfabe level is it. just too good. I'm too good. Uh, my my ability to portray a character is too good. People they don't know the line anymore. It's too good. Kayfabe game too strong. 
<clears throat> so from now on, uh, I'm not going to. I'm not going to say anything bad about anyone. I'm not, I can't. I mean, now I'm in a corner where I feel like I can't say anything good about anyone because that will also be questioned. Um, I'm looking at the clock. Can't wait to retire. Cannot wait to exit the game. That is uh, that's where I'm at. Jared, Jared, I can I can t- I can tell you this. If there's anything I've learned over the last two weeks, especially with social media, is that there's no better place to hash out serious thoughts and conversations and to get people <laughs> to truly understand you in a small, limited ability to do so. Like, there's no better place to have those extremely important conversations where you're trying to get your point across than social media, right? Like, that's the yeah. best place to do it. That's where everything's going to get answered. I expect that from idiots on Twitter, where the athletes need to be better. <laughs> the athletes need to be better. Well, I, and I, I do think it was probably just like a, you know what? Now that I've done this, now that we're going down this road, I don't think I wanted to do this. This was not the whole point here. Because Strami, like at like I've said, Strami's a good dude. I know him. He's a good dude. Uh, I can also understand where sometimes guys are just like, you know what? Not today. Not today. You want to know why? Because the fucking maid knocked on the door at 745 this morning and woke me the fuck up. And when I got out of bed to tell her that I didn't need fucking, I stubbed my toe. And now the fucking hot water doesn't work. And like, maybe you just had a fucking piss poor morning and was like, nope, not today. This is bullshit. I'm standing my ground. And sometimes shortly after you're like, you know what? I don't know if I wanted to plant the flag there. Don't, Mm. that might not have been the battle I wanted. Have you talked to him? Uh, No, I haven't. I haven't talked to him. Mm. I haven't. I mean, I, I haven't either. (laughs) I, I'll reach out. I would be, I would, I would be interested. Yeah, I mean, you know what? <laughs> hey, go ahead. <clears throat> Call him right now. I just think he, Let's go. Yeah. Call him up. Fuck it. Yeah, you want me to see it? Want me to see if we can get him on the pod? <laughs> yeah, let him I know. think that'd be amazing. You know, what we should do. We should do enemies week on the pod sometime. <laughs> We're just, like, just we just try to just bring all the enemies to the pod on. <laughs> No, well, no, that'll just happen organically. But I mean, all the established enemies, oh. you just bring them on as guests. So con- <sighs> confront your enemy. I, just, I don't. Uh, I just want to go back to talking about baseball and Caleb Ort, tweeting Bob, highlights. Bob Guerin, other enemies. Yeah, yeah. You just want to go back to supporting <laughs> no one, your best friend Caleb Ort, unquestionably. No one, no one's sitting here saying Matt Strom's a bad guy. Matt Strom, I was told. Um, was playing wiffle ball for two hours with special needs kids after yeah. Monday's loss. Like, good dude. Not saying he's not a good dude. I'm just saying he lacked a little feel in that conversation. But anyways, I don't want to spend a ton of time on it. So we'll move on. Uh, hopefully it's fucking <laughs> over and the Phillies can drop it because it had nothing to do with you and no one was talking to you. Nathan Avaldi. Another... <laughs> former enemy of the program, not because of me. <clears throat> I'm not going to name any names, but um, Nathan Avaldi. I don't give a fuck. I don't want to say what. <laughs> oh, uh, what? Uh, about his opinions on <clears throat> on how he on how he pitches. No, uh, I guess not opinion because fact, but yeah. Yeah, well, he's uh He's doing the dance. This is uh, there's there's a, a number of statistics that I'm about to read to you that I researched last night. These are mine. 
I did this research with uh, uh, Johnny Johnny Gomes just <laughs> pulled up in the taxi last night. He was like, "I'm in town. I'm coming by." Motherfucker uh, showed up. He was he was already half in the bag when he got here, and uh, we we had ourselves a nice little baseball viewing experience last night. He I think he actually he predicted Mike Trout's home run on the pitch. I think he like. He he saw that he was on top of the fastball. He's like, yep. He's like this. He's like this next one. He's like, see you later. Fucking <laughs> next pitch. Fucking Mike Trout smokes a home run. Oppo. Uh, but after his complete game last night, Nathan Avaldi goes CG again uh, over Nathan Avaldi's last five starts. He's averaging eight and a third innings per start with an 086 ERA. And an 067 whip, 35 strikeouts and 41 and two thirds innings. This is the important part right here. The next closest pitcher has 34 and a third innings over that same span. That's Chris Bassett. Uh, and he's made the same amount of starts as Nathan Avaldi. So we're talking about since I think it's April 29th, I want to say. Since April 29th, Nathan Avaldi. 41 and two thirds innings. Next closest is 34 and a third innings. And no, he doesn't have more starts. They have the same amount of starts. So he's going out there averaging eight and a third uh, per start. Dallas, what is that? I know you hate him, but like, what is, uh, what does that do for you to see a guy go out there <laughs> and give not. innings like that? I, I do not hate uh, Ivaldi at all. I mm-hmm. love watching the dude pitch. When, Mm-hmm. when you can go out there like <laughs> the the sort of this is a gift this is a golden goose for the manager this is a golden goose for the bullpen because i mean depending on how many guys you got down in that bullpen right it's a day off it's essentially a day off for eight out of nine of you seven out of nine of you put your feet up boys i got this that allows the bullpen to reset every fifth day that allows guys who are sharp to stay sharp in their roles. That allows guys who might be struggling to avoid situations and allow them to work through some things on the side. I mean, when you have somebody that accounts for eight plus innings, every time they take the ball right now, that that, that is a steamroller, a steam roller. And how he's doing it is, is what's I mean? This is what a power pitcher with a guy like his stuff. This is what you almost expect to see in his outings. Like, why aren't all of the outings like this with guys who throw the way he does, who have the shit that he does? A hundred mile an hour fastball consistently. I mean, it's just almost unfair when you watch a guy go out and execute with his shit. I mean, one one of the biggest things I think for for Ivaldi too is how quickly he's ahead of guys because he has been dialing up first pitch strikes, dialing up big league average, sixty one percent first pitch strikes. I believe I saw Ivaldi somewhere around like sixty five, if I'm remembering correctly, over his starts over these. Starts. That's that's it's it's fucking oh one every time you step into the box. And when it feels like that, 
it really feels like oh two as a hitter because now you're not comfortable you're not hunting anything you're defensive because it's like fuck oh one the dude throws 99 and he's got wipeout shit like i um this is kind of tough right now right like he's got two pitches three pitches maybe that he's getting 20 percent swing and miss on right now i mean the curveball the the cutter the fastball well fuck four right fast yeah four pitches that he's got over 20 percent swing and miss on right now love that Mm -hmm. love that jay you got any nugs on nathan valdi what's interesting to me is that you know dallas spent a decent amount of time talking about his fastball and how a guy with this this is how a guy with his sort of shit is supposed to be pitching but like that fastball has always been very hittable, um, particularly the four seamer when Ivaldi has thrown it. And this is the first year, really. Um, I mean, there have been individual seasons in the past where it's been a little better, but like the vast majority of seasons, his his four seamer has gotten hit three hundred or better uh, with a decent amount of pop attached too. And this is the first year where that's actually not the case, uh, and that his fastball is maybe playing to what we sort of expected the whole time. Uh, is I guess how I would interpret it. I don't know. It's interesting to me. Mm. I need to. Uh, I need to learn to adapt at weddings. <clears throat> wedding season's coming up. I just got asked to another wedding. That's three invitations. Not a single yes so far. <laughs> uh, I I'd say it's three maybes. I haven't thrown out a no, a hard no. I threw out a hard no to a wedding that just took place a few days ago. Um, one of my buddies, I think I've said this before, was like, if I get married in Spain, <laughs> would you go? And I was like, bro, I don't think I would go if you got married down the street. <laughs> uh, anyways, looking sharp all wedding season shouldn't be expensive with a custom fitted suit from Indochino. You'll create priceless memories without costing a fortune. Customize every detail on your suit, shirt, dinner jacket, and more in a range of colors from traditional black or gray to burgundy or olive to a classic Hemsworth Navy. Uh, for me, uh, I, I'm, I'm still on the fence about a lot of these wedding invitations, but you don't have to go to Indochino just because it's wedding season. You can go to them for like a lot of casual wear, which is what I do. I got a lot of stuff in my fancy new closet that I just built for $10,000. Uh, every suit is made to your exact measurements. And you can customize every single detail. Create a suit that fits you and your style perfectly with options for fabrics, lapel shape, custom monograms, statement linings, and more. They also have tuxedos starting at $579. Why rent when you can just buy a custom tux that you can rewear for years to come? Indochino also offers completely custom-fitted shirts, casual wear, and more. Get a superior wardrobe personalized to your style and taste without the luxury price tag they're always adding new pieces and options so you can stay on trend and in style explore their relaxed yet refined approach to your spring suits with their new spring fabrics rsvp knowing that you've got the perfect look all wedding season long from indochino go to indochino.com use the promo code dead d-e-a-d to get 10 percent off any purchase of 399 dollars or more that is i-n-d-o-c-h-i-n-o.com Promo code dead. Um, Can I just say <laughs> it is I had, un- no? I just off the wedding comment. I had no idea yes. how lucky I was to have you come to my wedding. 
at the time. Yeah, I'm. I knew that. Um, I know you. I know you've said it would be baseball friendly, so that was a big part yeah. of it. But man, I had there no was idea. Two, there was two big factors. The two big factors. It's not so much that I hate weddings. It's that there's nothing on planet Earth that makes me feel more uncomfortable than dancing. Mm. Like when everyone like, and I knew that this was not going to be a dance heavy wedding. Yeah. Plus, it was Dan- baseball friendly. So. Yeah, it was it was it was like a cross thing. Plus, I knew, uh, yeah, that that was the most safe and comfortable I've ever felt at a wedding in my life. Well, that's what we were going for. Safe and comfortable. (laughs) Yeah. And I I felt it all. I felt every single second of it. And and my wedding date was Dallas. So there's there's no pressure (laughs) for me. Uh, I that was probably my favorite wedding if. On a list of, I don't know, maybe 10 weddings that I've been to, that's the only one that I've had fun at. Wow, that's nice. <laughs> I'm honored. Glad we yeah. could deliver for you. Yeah, no, it was huge. I had a good time. <laughs> um, I, I, I owe an apology. Not to anyone with the Phillies <clears throat> or Caleb Ort. I owe an apology to Astros fans because uh, they're like, when the fuck are you guys going to talk about the Astros playing well. And I was like, oh, on the next podcast, we'll get into it. But unfortunately, the Houston Astros eight game winning streak was ended last night. Uh, that doesn't mean that we can't talk about the Houston Astros kind of figuring out their their shit, so to speak, because the Houston Astros have not been the bell of the ball in the American mm-hmm. League West this year. It's been the Texas Rangers who are still in first place. And we're going to, we're going to get to the Texas Rangers right after this, but the Houston Astros hauled off eight straight victories. And somehow that's still almost a compliment to the Rangers because when they went eight straight, they went from four and a half back and they only cut their lead to two games back. They went eight. No, the Rangers went five and three, which is not dominance, but um, that could have went the other way for the Rangers real quick. Um, Jordan Alvarez, obviously a big part of that. The two homer game the other day, Grand Slam. Uh, I think if I were to Dallas's internet cut out, the, the uh, Oakland A's internet cut out, I think if he were here, and I'm going to ask you guys, I, I'm pretty sure I'm going to get a universal answer. There's not anyone here that thinks the Houston Astros don't win this division, right? No, they win by a lot. How much? Two games. <laughs> oh, wow, Jay. Hey, are you are you buying in on the Texas Rangers as division champs? No, I think the I'm sticking with the Astros for division champs, but I do think the Rangers are uh, a legitimate playoff threat. I do think it'll be competitive for the majority of the season. So that those are two different things. A playoff threat. No, I think they will team. make them. I think the Rangers at this point will are more likely than not to make the playoffs. Um, okay. I, think bo- I think both of those teams are probably making the playoffs. Okay. That's at, fair. Perhaps at the expense of preseason darling Seattle Mariners. Yeah, which is unfortunate. Um, well, that's the thing is like you look at the AL West and then the AL East, and it's like, can we just erase the Central for one year? <laughs> Because these are eight teams, at least eight teams that could make are good enough to be a playoff team, mm-hmm. 
but we're going to get fucked over because, oh, the Twins have to get in because they've played 500. Just because of where they, they live. They, they're they literally going to yeah. get into the playoffs because of where they live. It's it's a fine town. Unfortunate. You ever been to it's fine. Minneapolis? Yeah, nice. No, never been Never there. been, no. man. Never been. Nice no. airport, too. It's on Great my list. Great town. Great town. Shout out Plums. Shout out to my man Bidzy and Plums. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Is that a strip joint, Alex? Uh, no, not a, not a, not a strip joint. Um, <laughs> some of the better times I've had in, in Minnesota. Well, low key, I could argue. I'm make the argument uh, now. Hey. Houston is Midwest, Midwest city. They put them in the central. Houston is Midwest to me. Don't pull up a map and fact check the shit. It's Midwest. I mean, they should be in the central. central yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and and obviously the Royals who play in Kansas City. No one really knows what state that is. Just put them in the West to make it a little more fair because it's annoying when you're a guy who loves Shohei and rooting for the Angels and they're clawing and fighting and to be 27 and 23 and you think, oh, Angels are doing good. This could be it. And then you look down and you're like, well, it's going to be tough because uh, fucking Seattle hasn't even played good and they're probably way better. Texas all of a sudden is like the best offense ever. And we just talked about Evaldi, their beast. And the Astros have barely even tried. And they're 28 and 20. Hmm. It is going to suck. So seeing it stresses game. me out. Just looking at the AOS stresses me out. Because I think all these teams, I would love all these teams to be in the playoffs. And I just don't see it being possible. I mean, the, bi- no. the big difference between the Astros of previous years and the Astros of this year, at least relative to the league, has been their pitching. Right? Their offense has still been... Um, I'm mm-hmm. sorry, the exact opposite. I'm sorry. Th- the difference has been that their batting has not been up to par. And I still like, I still have a lot of faith in the names in that lineup. And that other than Jose Abreu, which I think is an issue that we've touched on a few times that doesn't seem to be writing itself and is part of a three year deal, like Jordan Alvarez has maybe been the best hitter in baseball or at least the AL over the last couple of weeks. Yeah, the Astros, though, their offense does seem like. At least so far, obviously so far this season, but just on paper, significantly weaker. That's been their weakness. Just For because sure. Pena hasn't been there. Bregman's not playing well. Jose Altuve hasn't played. A lot of it's going to come down, man. No one's talking about Michael Brantley, but he's going to, you know, I don't know what you expect from Michael Brantley, but in terms, I think he can make a massive difference. If he comes back and he's like an Abreu type situation where he's kind of over the hill. Like, you're not really looking at the Astros as what they have been the past few years of a lock in the World Series just because their offense doesn't seem as deep. I think I think the other underrated thing as it relates to the Astros, like organization as a whole, that's going to be fascinating to watch over the next couple of years is the shift in front office that they made. I mean, we don't talk about it, but they didn't retain the GM who guided them to the World Series victory. And in swapping, and I don't know enough about all of those dynamics to say whether that was smart or not, but in swapping out James Click for the current regime, they have made a decision, it seems, to be, at least with those decision makers, less number-based and less analytically inclined and maybe less process-oriented and more, maybe a little bit old school in their approach. And I'm kind of fascinated to see how that works for them because. The Jose Abreu signing was the first 
kind of uh, decision of that new front office, and it's gone extremely poorly. Hmm. So you thought we thought we'd bring up the Astros. Yeah, they're yeah, doing sorry. so well. We're going to be all positive, and we're like, I don't know, dude. They're kind of shit. They're not as good <laughs> as the Rangers. The <laughs> Rangers kind of shit. Are the new Astros. <laughs> But it's honestly not even calling them shit. It's just like the expectations for the Astros are so high. If they're not the best team by far, it's like they're underachieving. There, were, I mean, hard. there had to be some sort of expectation of regression for them, but not not to a point where they weren't still the top dogs because they were that much better than everyone else last year. Like, yeah. I, I think I think it was clear that there was a significant gap between them and the next best team. Maybe. Because, you know, the Braves got knocked out a lot sooner than a lot of people thought. Same thing with the Dodgers. So we didn't really get to see a a close comparison with Houston and those other teams. But, I mean, they throated the Yankees and the ALCS. Like, they went untouched the World Series. Like, the Phillies put up a fight, but they still went in six. And I I thought, I I don't want to say that the Phillies were overmatched in that World Series, but you could tell who the better team was. Like, it it wasn't even close. But you lose a guy like Justin Verlander, um, Luis Garcia, like he's he's got the he got clipped. Uh, Jose Altuve was hurt to start the year. You have the quote unquote World Series hangover. You were stupid if you thought that the Astros were just going to come out of the gates firing like there was going to be there was going to be some. um, I don't even know what you would call it. Uh, Just a slow start, whatever. But well, and on the pitching side, on both the. Uh, rotation and the bullpen like a lot to be encouraged about like their front I know they lost Garcia but their front three of Valdez Javier and Brown has been outstanding Um, you know we've talked about some of the more obvious candidates for AL rookie of the year but like don't sleep on Hunter Brown's candidacy either with a 3-2-0 ERA and 50 and two-thirds innings pitched and their bullpen it might be different names than we're used to like Ryan Presley has not been their best reliever as he has been in years past but like Hector Norris, Brian Abreu, like there are some guys putting out putting up some wild numbers in this bullpen, and I still think they're the class of the division. Yeah, the, of course. The, the, they're still the top dogs. Still the top dogs, and they have no, they don't have a Kitty, they haven't had McCullers, and they're still like the best top five pitching staff starters yeah, Val- and relievers. Valdez is a Cy Young candidate right now, for sure. Yeah, yes, and like that's that's why. The Houston Astros, despite how you feel about them, I'm sure a lot of people have a lot of personal feelings about the Houston Astros. You have to acknowledge that they are. I don't even want to say like the blueprint because you can't say like, oh, they're the blueprint of what other organizations want to be. That that can't be 100 percent true. (laughs) But what they've been able to do over the last seven years, whatever you want to call it, that's exactly what teams hope to achieve. Like you can win at a sustained level. You can have a turnover within your big league roster and you just still keep going. You can lose stars. You can have guys age out of your organization. You can lose guys to free agency. You can lose guys to season ending surgeries and you just keep going. So I, I don't know. I mean, I've said this a million times, like the whole, like 2017 thing, I got over that pretty quickly to where I at least got to a point where I can appreciate what the Astros as an organization have been able to do and what they continue to do, which is why, you know, they they have like a little, a little crack 
in the armor of it's not even like the Astros came down and the Rangers kind of came up when they shouldn't have. The Rangers are really fucking good this year. You have to give the Rangers credit. But at the end of the day, the Astros, when given a 162 game season, I think the cream will rise to the to the to the top. And uh, I think, yeah, like to, to Joey's point earlier, you're talking about two teams that and Jay Hay too, two teams that uh, should be in the playoffs. Like both teams should be in the playoffs. But either way, uh, I wanted to on on the note of giving the Rangers credit. How do we do that? Well, last night the Toronto Blue Jays beat the brakes off the Tampa Bay Rays to the tune of twenty to one. And why is that game significant? Well. That's because the 20 to 1 ass beating that the Blue Jays handed the Tampa Bay Rays dropped the Rays run differential down to plus 107, which means that the Texas Rangers now lead Major League Baseball in run differential. There are teams right now that if you look around the league, it's like you've got... uh, let me think of an example here. Uh, yeah, okay. You've got the you've got the plus fourteen Pittsburgh Pirates in second place, but then they're behind the the plus twenty six Chicago Cubs. There are there there's greater examples, but the Texas Rangers are for real. I think that they're proving that uh, whether or not they hang around in first place, it's not it's not out of the question. Because like I said, you have the Houston Astros who have lost guys to injury for the entire year. You have guys that have pieces of their core. They're not just playing 162, but then they're playing into the ALCS and World Series. Like wear and tear is a thing. Like they can't, uh, how hard, I mean, like how uh, they can keep it up every single year. It's very difficult. So maybe it is uh, almost like a perfect storm for the Rangers where you are that good and the Astros just can't keep up this year. We'll see. It's it's going to be an interesting fight down the stretch um, because the Rangers did not fluke their way into the position that they're in right now. They did not. They are that good. Uh, any thoughts on the Rangers outside of that? They need help. Houston they or help. Texas? Houston, Texas. Houston, Texas. 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 Yes. Don't help I agree with Dallas. I'm not as red hot on the freaking Rangers as Jared is. I think, Jared, you just gave him a lot, way too much credit. I wouldn't, I wouldn't say they're a lock for the playoffs right now just because the division is I didn't is say tough. that they're a lock. I didn't I, well, say I that they're a lock. That was the vibe. That was the vibe. That was you, the make vibe. It a, you make it a quarter through the major league season with the best run differential in the entire league. And you can't fluke that. Like I, it's not a lock to make the playoffs, but you can't be a dog shit team and do that. You just can't. Yeah, but let's look up like who was leading the division this time last year. I just think it's funny this whole raise blow up. What raise blow up? Rangers currently seventy one percent to make the playoffs according to Fangraphs. Okay, that's about that's about like where I would put them. I would say 65 to 70%. I give them 57%. Oh, wow. And I'm predicting their downfall. So 
come after me. <laughs> Damn. You just want all the smoke today? <laughs> See, Dallas, that's a good teammate. Joey's trying to fucking, he's like, you know what? Come after me. <laughs> Don't get mad at Jared because I said the Rangers are overrated and that they got lucky. <laughs> Damn. Go up my Twitter. It's fucked up. It's fucked up. Uh, feels like a great place to mention that May is Mental Health Awareness Month. Sure is. Did you know that in the last year, rates of anxiety and depression have doubled in the United States? And these days, it can take months to get traditional therapy appointment. Uh, did you know that traditional therapy visits on average are $100 per session? That can add up to thousands of dollars a year. Millions. That's why we got to talk about Cerebral because it is a 100% online mental health service that offers therapy and medication management for anxiety, depression, insomnia, stress, burnout, and more. Uh, Obviously, I've talked about this a lot. I've been in therapy since 2010. It's a long time. It's a long journey. It's worth it. If you haven't taken the leap... I suggest you do. If you feel like that's something that could help you a lot, it does. Cerebral is here for anyone who's looking for help with their mental health. No matter where you are in your journey, Cerebral helps people with anxiety, depression, stress, insomnia, and more. If you feel like you're experiencing burnout or processing a major life event, Cerebral is care that's ready for you. It's 100% online. You just take a brief questionnaire and get matched to a care team based off your needs and preferences through the Cerebral app. You can schedule your sessions, get your questions answered, and access additional mental health resources. Cerebral is one of the few services that provides medication management online through a licensed provider if uh, clinically indicated. Connect with your therapist on your own schedule through your laptop or the Cerebral mobile app. Um, you can schedule your sessions based on what's most convenient for you. You don't have to wait weeks to be seen. 80% of the members see a provider within five days, which is, again, um, a rarity in that field. You can do your sessions on a laptop or a phone. So you can always find an area at home where you're most comfortable. Affordable treatments that are one-third of the price of traditional therapy. Uh, treatment options are available with or without insurance, which is big. Cerebral is in-network in several insurers. And they're working every day to grow their partnerships within network. Your monthly cost is even lower. Uh, Cerebral understands that finding a therapist isn't linear journey. If your therapist isn't a match, Cerebral will help you find a provider that meets your needs. 50% of Cerebral's clinicals uh, self-identify as people of color. It's important to Cerebral to have the diversity uh, of everyone so that they can get the treatment that they that they deserve. And for Mental Health Awareness Month, this May, this month right now, you can get an exclusive 50% off your first month of therapy by going to Cerebral.com slash Jared. Uh, that is J-A-R-E-D. That's Cerebral.com slash Jared for 50% off uh, your first month of therapy for quality mental health care that's accessible and affordable. Join Cerebral today. Uh, okay. It's time, Joe. It's time for the big debut. Talked to Joseph over the weekend. I was like, hey, man, let's get you your own little segment here. And uh, the idea was, you know, we're, we're a quarter, as we said, way through the season. And I want to know who's on pace for what. I want to know, like, 
obviously, I think we, 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 we're all curious to know what Ronald Acuna Jr. is on pace for. The whole 40-40 is a 30-60. What's he on pace for? We can keep an eye on that uh, on a weekly basis. But also, I want to know like all like the random weird shit. I said, use your weird brain, Joe. Go, go look up and see uh, how many home runs is Brent Rooker on pace for when he, he's, hitting, he's hitting so many home runs. He's a get me the fuck out of Oakland. I'm trying everything that I can to become an elite offensive producer so I can get the fuck out of this shithole city, this shithole team, this shithole ballpark, all of it. Um, I want to know, Joe, what do you what did you come to the table with in week one? Uh, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I thought there was going to be a jingle or something like. Come Bro, on, but, I right? mean, it's, it's week one. This is the pilot. I mean, I know you, that's you, what I'm saying. You got to research. Like, you gotta, I know we got producers and shit. Like, guys in DraftKings, they can make jingles if they want. I can. To. We but can make jingles. We can make jingles. But if you if you want a jingle, you kind of got to put it out to the people. I had oh, to so make I my own. Make a jingle now. I I made my own fucking jingle. The Clark's Ketchup Series MVP is me doing screamo. It's me. The what? <laughs> the what MVP? Jake, should I fucking hit him with it? Let's do it. <laughs> you never heard this song? <laughs> this must be the Boston Red Sox podcast. It is, bro. Well, I got one for you here, dude. Zach Neto. What is he doing? <laughs> Zach Neto is getting hit by pitches at an enormous rate. It's blowing everybody's mind. Everybody knows Zach Neto, the shortstop for the Angels. This time last year, Zach Neto was playing this is, in the... This is the, the leg kick guy. Uh, what? Uh, yeah, he has a, a leg kick that goes from like his left leg will be up oh, to yeah. his right ear. Yeah. Beautiful swing. Beautiful leg kick. He was this time last year, he was in the Big South Conference Tournament. The guy yeah. got drafted less than a year, a year ago, played 44 minor league games. Can you believe that? No uh, minor league experience. They just called him up, this guy. And he got hit. In his first seven games, he got hit by five pitches. Mm. You know how crazy that is? That's pretty crazy. That's pretty crazy because Eddie Rosario, he's been hit by more pitches than Eddie Rosario. Eddie Rosario has 3,004. 123 plate appearances. Zach Neto has 129. Why does he get hit so much? <sighs> dude, he's from Jersey, dude. They fucking, they're talk- <laughs> you know, he's got probably got mob ties. I don't know, dude, but <laughs> damn. <laughs> they're coming after him. That hard as fuck. He's on okay. pace for 33 this season. 33 hit by pitches, which would be the most hit by pitches since 1997. Wow. That's 26 years. Wow. If you, if you combine, compound this into a career, he's on pace to break the hit-by-pitch record for a career in eight and a half years. He will be 30 <laughs> years old. <laughs> the all-time record? All-time, which is 287 by, everybody guess? Craig Bishop. Three. Ooh. Uh, Kevin Euclid. No, Craig Biggio is close. Craig Biggio is actually second with 285. Uh, Number one is Huey Huey Jennings. Oh, Big Hugh? Yep. Rest in peace. Died in 1929. 28, (laughs) sorry. (laughs) Damn, he's uh, what a legend. 
So he's on pace to break his record for hit by pitches by the time he's 30 years old. So that's pretty cool, man. 33 hit yeah. by pitches on pace for. And uh, hey, wear it, I guess. It's a tough guy. <laughs> hey, we should, wear it. If he breaks it, we should have Huey Jennings family on. Yeah, we should. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We can track it, Jake. Book uh, Huey Jennings' grandkids. <laughs> I think that they I would be pumped. They might be dead, too. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> There's always a chance. What else you got, Joe? That's all I got. I'm on pay. I was supposed to bring more than one. Sorry. I, I mean, I guess. I mean, I thought you were going to bring like a fucking bunch of them. Like, no, I just I literally what? I literally gave you, you the fucking just like little tidbits I had thrown in there. I had to do all these fucking I got all these links up, bro. I, I, I was like, hey, it should be something like give us like what Ronald Acuna Jr. is on pace for. And then also like some random like nuggets or whatever. Oh. This motherfucker, this motherfucker brings uh, Huey <laughs> Lewis in the news <laughs> to the table. It's like, all right. I don't know. I thought I thought it was cool. I mean, you that guys can let cool, me know. Uh, I mean, you know what? You know what, Joe? You want to leave the fans wanting more. They got a little taste with with Big Hugh, and they're like, "Oh, I can't wait for next Wednesday to get some more on pace for." There you go. If you want to touch, we got to touch up on Acuna. Acuna's on pace for sixty eight steals, and ooh, just missed it. Thirty seven homers. Step it up, mm. Ronnie. Step it up, buddy. Imagine a sixty forty. Damn, that would be. I mean, I predicted it would be cool, but yeah, yeah we're about seventy forty. It's pretty much close. You could do it. Um, all right, it's Bane's meter time. Jay, hey, wow. yeah, this is a big one. This is a real big one in the long and illustrious history of the Baines meter. I think you can make a case that this is the biggest. Uh, yeah. Con- Congratulations. We've had Jason Hayward. We've had Starling Marte, who, by the way, has gone backwards since he passed the Baines meter. Update number three. All rise and say congratulations to Aaron Judge. The 2022 AL MVP has passed the Baines line with eight home runs over his last nine games. It's been a scorching run for Judge. He almost caught us off guard, but the Baines meter staff got it together. In only 768 career games, Judge passes the Baines line. That is 2,062 fewer games than it took Harold Baines. So basically, quick math, Harold Baines' career has basically gone on four times as long as Aaron Judge's. Um, it's going to be excited. Maybe he'll triple or double the Baines line eventually for Aaron Judge. And just a quick little nugget here. Judge has produced as much B-War since the start of last season as Baines produced from 1992 to 2001. Wow. Uh, that is 10 seasons Uh, wow (laughs) thank you very much uh, to all the fans out there who continue to support the Baines meter uh, and the pursuit of the Baines line Uh, we have more coming up this season I have no doubt uh, but I'm not sure anyone's going to be as big as the Yankee captain Mm -hmm. officially becoming greater than one Harold Baines thank you 
Thank you, Jay. Hey. <laughs> Appreciate it. It's a big one for judging. I mean, it's it a big is, one for judging. Yeah. You know, presentation aside now, it is fucking crazy that Aaron Judge <laughs> has accumulated as much value in 700 games as it took Harold Baines to do in 2,800 games. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. For every four games of Harold Baines, there has been one of Aaron Judge. <laughs> Judgy. Judgy. Guy's a beast. I mean, you can yeah. tell he fucking wanted it, though. You know what I mean? Like, he probably got, like, Booney probably told him or somebody else who's really plugged in with what's going mm-hmm. on on social, you know, uh, was probably like, dude, you're extremely close <laughs> to passing the Baines line. Mm-hmm. Like, probably like two weeks ago. And he was like, okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. Well, it would be a cool time to do that as like May 23rd, May 24th. Um, and then he just started hitting fucking bombs and was like, Harold, you're toast, baby. And we thought we were going to get it on Monday, but I think it's great. It worked out today. I think Wednesday, this podcast was the right spot for Aaron Judge and the Baines meter. Yeah. 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 I thought it was great. Thank you. Shout out to Appreci- Judgy. Appreciate you carving out time. Rush yeah. back from injury to to get it. <laughs> yeah. Yep. The hip injury. Jared said it would end his career, but since then he's <laughs> led the league in home runs, led the league in it, pretty much every category. One point four war in thirteen games. Eight home runs in thirteen games. That ball's high. It is far. It is gone. It's a judgy and blast. All rise. Here comes the judge. Congratulations, Aaron Judge. One of my best friends. One of my one of my best friends. He actually he reached out too and he was like, Why is Strom being such a little fucking bitch about this? And I was like, Judgey, you know, <laughs> this is between us, so I'm not gonna <clears throat> I'm not gonna say anything about this, but I'm just glad you have my back. Um that's, that's unconditional it. friendship, unconditional love. That's good which is stuff. Because if yep. he's in on the Caleb Ort storyline and he's in on his own pursuit of the Baines meter, I think we just get him on the pod. Yeah, I mean that—that that is my goal. That is my goal for this year, is to get Judgey on here. If I got to ask Aaron Judge what he thought about passing the Baines line, I think I would just hang up the mic after that. <laughs> that would be the pinnacle of my professional career. There's no question. Yeah. What a collision course that would be. Yeah. All right. Well, I'm looking forward to it whenever that happens. Yeah. Later this season. Yeah, that'll be fun. Um. I wanted to because uh, I feel like last time it was kind of like an oh, by the way, shout out Christopher Morell for at the time. I, I can't remember how many home runs he hit at the time, but now it has gotten to the point where it's not like a final thought. He's homered in five straight games and he's only played in 12 games so far this season. He's homered in nine of them. Whew. Nine games, I mean, uh, nine home runs in 12 games and now five straight games with the home run. What's going on with like, this is, how many how many times have we seen this? Like w- dudes homering in four or five straight games. Like that's been happening a lot recently, by the way. I think it's crazy that this isn't like some guy we haven't seen before. It's, it's. You know, it's not some minor leaguer who's never gotten a shot before. Like, I don't I don't remember. I know he was a prospect and I'm not trying to dismiss like what the Cubs were looking for out of him. But I mean, this is completely out of 
he's completely out of line with everything else he's done in the majors and minors. It's kind of wild. Yeah, he is. Um, well, he was not that bad last year. I mean, he wasn't great, but no, he wasn't I'm bad, kind of surprised but... he didn't. Yeah, he wasn't. He wasn't hitting nine home runs in twelve games. That's for sure. I mean, no, no. He, how many hit? Like, he had sixteen last year in one hundred and thirteen. Just boop. Here, here's nine. Boop. How about Mickey Moniak? Have you seen this fucking guy? <laughs> yeah, I mean that's four this, one that's one. Even crazier than Christopher Morel. Uh, no. Talk about a guy. Yes, no. yes, 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 yes. Because no. what J.A. was just saying. He's been in the major leagues. He's played basically a full season of games and was shit, was terrible. Right, but he was he was a 1-1. So Mickey Moniak has played in 10 games this year. He got dealt uh, from the Phillies, the team that drafted him first overall. And what draft was that? 2016. First round, first overall. Didn't work out in the Phillies organization. Goes over to the Angels of all organizations. The hellhole that is the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim. Comes up. He's got 32 plate appearances. He's hitting 419 with a 1373 OPS. And I tweeted two nights ago. Whenever it was that Jared Kelnick homered last. I believe it was two nights ago. I said, is it safe to say that Kelnick is the most improved player from a year ago? And we got a lot of Mickey Moniak tweets, but it's also a very small sample. And then I got someone to tweet me a graphic that was kind of like the weighted runs created plus differential from a year ago. And uh, statistically speaking... Jared Kelnick is the most improved player from a year ago. I'm going to try and pull up that graphic, though, because it had some uh, some cool data on it, if I can find it. Uh, yeah, okay, right here. Yep, okay. Most improved. This is by OPS Plus, excuse me. <clears throat> Jared Kelnick, number one. <laughs> Vincenzo Gorman. Number two. Well, they obviously didn't count Mickey Moniak, and I get why, because he's played. Well, no, 10 no, games. no. I'm saying like I tweeted is is Jared Kelnick the most improved player? And some tweet responses were Mickey Moniak. So he got some love. Um this is a surprising name, Joseph. Number three, Ronald Acuna Jr. Oh. Yeah. Lamont Wade Jr. Yandy Diaz, Brandon Marsh, Cody Bellinger, Elias Diaz, Max Muncy, Randy Arozarena, Mauricio Dubon, Sean Murphy, Cedric Mullins, Marcus Simeon, Jonah Heim, Jorge Soler. But statistically speaking, as of right now, the most improved player is Jared Kelnick. The least improved player. <laughs> The important metric. I I can say we've already mentioned this individual. (laughs) Would you like to take a guess, Jay Hay? On this podcast? On this this podcast. On this episode? On this episode. The least improved player from 2022 until uh, from 2022 to this year. Already mentioned it. Oh, oh Jose, Abreu, oh, Jose Abreu. Jose Abreu. Jose Abreu, the least improved player by OPS Plus. <laughs> <clears throat> Number two, Manny Machado. Yeah. Manny Machado. What a. He fell off. Taylor Ward, Gene Segura, 
Julio Rodriguez, Andres Jimenez, Starling Marte, Elvis Andrews, Tyler Stevenson, Oswaldo Cabrera, Jazz Chisholm Jr., George Springer, Carlos Correa, Tony Kemp, Austin Riley. Mm. Had to have uh, a minimum of 100 plate appearances. So this was, uh, I want to make sure I give proper credit. Alex Breton sent me this. So, well, tell me to put Mickey Moniak on it next time because well, he had he a 35 OPS plus. When he has, and now he has two appearances, we'll we'll check back. Yeah, I was way off when I said he played a full season. He only played 66 games in his career before this year. <laughs> yeah, but but I've been watching the Angels and the guys robbed a home run, almost made the best play I've ever seen in my life, and like dropped it in the outfield, stole two bases. And it's hit four home runs in 10 games. So, I and I think it's sad that they traded him for Noah Syndergaard for like three months, dude. Damn. Mm. Mm. Uh, the one thing to watch with both of these guys, Morel and Moniak, is that like their strikeout to walk numbers are still basically garbage. So, like, Moniak has <laughs> once 11 strikeouts and one walk. So, like, if we're these fun, these stretches are fun. But if you're looking, if the question is, like, what can I expect out of this guy moving forward? Um, I think Morell is going to be a real contributor for the Cubs. But I, I think it's, it's probably more likely that Mickey Moniak goes closer to what he was than whatever this is. Um, but he'll never, you'll never be able to take this away from him. I, I didn't think we'd be talking Mickey Moniak in 2023. I don't know, man. They're putting up in the order. He's, he's being guarded by Drow, by Otani. We need to factor this into the stats. I'm calling a Mickey Moniac resurgence. Mm. You're buying you're buying Moniac stock right now, Joe. I'm buying it. I'm, I'm buying, buying it. it. I'd love to figure out a uh, some sort of bet we could come up with on Mickey Moniac this year. I just don't know what it is. Mm. Does he finish the season with an OPS higher than eight fifteen? I'll tell. I'll say no. No, that is, he's going to have to really fall off. Well, what's the no? Well, well, come I, on, he's played. He, if he if he continues to play, I think his OPS will be under eight fifteen by the time the season's over. If he just stops okay. playing and his and his stats are frozen in carbonite or whatever, then yeah, no, he'll <laughs> probably. Finish, then that's but, fair. I win. Well, yeah, <laughs> that's, that's your what best the game bet, is. I think. Yeah, I think that. And I win the game. How many how many plate appearances do you think he's going to get? Well, the Angels are always varying degrees of desperate, right? Um, yeah. <laughs> 150? Yeah, that feels... What's he at? So he's at 32 now. That wouldn't surprise yeah. me if he got... Uh, he had 112 last year. If he got 115 this, or 150 this year. Yeah. I mean, if he keeps hitting, why the hell not? Because his, you know, his def- he can play defensively. So, yeah. I just don't think the bat's going to continue like this. Morell's got real pop, though. Yes, he does. I think that that continues. I don't think he's going to hit 75 home runs, but I do think that he's... He no, but if he turned in a 30 homer season for them, kind of out yeah. of nowhere, yeah, yeah. or semi out yeah. of nowhere. Because yeah, to Joey's point earlier, he had 16 homers in 113 games, 425 plate appearances. So if you extrapolate that over 162 games, like it's not that 
he's hit 25 homers in his career in 125 games between the two years. So 30 home runs seems totally viable. Yeah. Yeah. I'd love to see that out of him. He's got a lot of energy. Love his swing. He's got big time pop. Um, I want to talk about a couple of returns. Joseph is Dallas there. His box is there, but the camera's off and he hasn't said anything in like 40 minutes. Are you there, it's- Dallas? Oh, <laughs> I'm here. It just <laughs> you, did you did you that though? It's a six second <laughs> delay and I have opted to allow the podcast to do the best thing, which is to carry on without me interrupting shit. So, yeah, I'm here, but I'm fucking chilling. How's it going? <laughs> I'm doing all right. Uh, how do you feel about making Moniac? <laughs> uh, I, I just I, I don't I don't feel about it. <laughs> That's fair. Uh, are you on the hotel Wi-Fi or in your your cell phone hotspot? Uh, cell phone hotspot in a chair <laughs> in a corner right now. Just doing my thing. All right. Well, since since you're there, I thought that there's no way he's there. Uh, let's let's just skip ahead to uh, this this segment that I I carved out just for Dallas. It's called the worst performances in baseball history through 50 games. <laughs> <laughs> um, let's see. I mean, well, why don't you start at, why don't you just start in I the have, 1900s? This is, this is from 1900 to present. So we're not doing the, uh, the Salt Lake city long stockings. We're not talking about them. Uh, we are talking from 1900 to the present date. Uh, but unfortunately that does mean that the 1905 Boston bean eaters are making the cut. Uh, so we're going to go, uh, the most losses and the worst run differentials in from 1900 to present. So you've got a three-way tie through the first 50 games, three teams have lost 39 of those contests. That would be <clears throat> the 1945 Philadelphia Phillies, the 1987 San Diego Padres, the 1988 Baltimore Orioles. And then only two teams in baseball history have lost 40 games through 50 played. And that is the 1932 Boston Red Sox, who are horrible. But not the worst. Uh, and then you have the 2023 Oakland Athletics at 40 losses. They've tied the most losses ever through a, a club's first 50 games. Uh, then you go over to run differential. The Boston Bean Eaters, 1905, negative 148. Then you have the 1911 Boston Rustlers. I've never heard. Jake, have you ever heard of the Rustlers before? Never. Never heard of them, Jay Hay. Nope. Yeah, I've, I, have, I've, I have relatives who played for them. <laughs> what position did they play? Pitcher and catcher. Pitcher and catcher. Oh, so mm-hmm. the first ever family battery. I, I can't recall yeah. in baseball history a family battery, but apparently the 1911 Boston Rustlers had a blood related battery going on on that team, which is probably why they sucked. Negative 149 through the club's first 50 games. Then you have 
the 1932 Boston Red Sox, negative 150. Just a lot of Boston suck going on. Then you have the 1996 Detroit Tigers, negative 154. (laughs) And then the Kings, the Kings of suck. The 2023 Oakland Athletics at 178, negative 178. The next worst team through that span is negative 154. So they are blowing the competition out of the water so far. Um, I guess we're fortunate enough to have the Oakland A's broadcaster, television broadcaster, Dallas Braden, uh, coming to us from a remote location, no video, and on a six-second delay. Dallas, what do you feel about your baseball team that is on pace to be the worst baseball team to ever Pain. play in the history of the sport? Pain. Okay. <laughs> right. Just pain. This is pain. You know, it's... Yeah, um, I, I just... I, I oh, no, go ahead. Feel it everywhere. Mm-hmm. No, no there's, there's nothing to there's nothing to say about it. I fully understand what the guys on the field are going through. I fully understand what the folks uh, or the, the person in the stands is going through. I fully understand what, <laughs> what, what, what the, the person, person watching on TV is. Under, like, I, <laughs> I fully get it. I get it all. I get it all. So like what, what do you like at this point, especially if you're reading social media today, like what the fuck would you have me say? What would you want me to say? And how would you like me to say that? Hmm. That's what I would ask. Tough stretch of ball. <laughs> long season. <laughs> long season. <laughs> Tell him, Dallas. It's a long season, hey, Joe, man. That's, that's what, hey, you tune in every day. <laughs> every day, and that message is delivered in a different way every day. Like it, it's, it's one of those things where like, it's uh, put it like this, <clears throat> me and a buddy were playing ping pong last night and we were talking about playing people um, that are just not good. And the minute you start to rally with them, you realize how good it's going to be or how good it's not going to be. And the idea is when you're playing someone not good, you realize just playing, like hitting the ball, like this is just a formality. Like we just have to do this. I know what it's going to look like at the end, but we're here. So let's play. Let's do this. And as a player right now, it feels like everything you're doing, regardless of it being the best day you had or the worst day you had, it feels like it doesn't fucking matter. And it feels like we're, we got to play baseball because they're making us play baseball. Like the games have to get played and we're here. So we're going to play them. But what like shit's not going well oh hit the ball better i'd love to throw more strikes that's been the game plan believe it or not that's been the plan like when i go out on the mound and i'm and i have the ball i promise you i'm trying to throw it over the plate i promise you i don't want them to hit it over the fucking fence to the tune of the most homers surrendered in baseball i i don't want that to be a thing like that's what the players are thinking that's what they're feeling as far as a broadcaster is concerned I want to be able to give you all of the nuts and bolts on how things are going and the progress that's being made. And sometimes that falls short on the person watching. And I I understand. But again, what would you have me say? Would you have me for 150 games completely bash the efforts of these guys who are trying to find their way through the big leagues, trying to figure out 
how to prepare. I mean, I'm not going to throw this out as an excuse, but could you guys imagine what it would be like playing in the environment and under the circumstances that these guys are playing under right now? Like the conversation around everything concerning your team is maybe not the most positive conversations to have. And you're playing baseball amidst all of that, physically amidst all of that, and then emotionally amidst all of the conversation. So it's it's not easy. And the one place that you like to find an escape is the baseball field. And we always try to tell ourselves, look, fuck, you know, uh, winning or losing, just being here right now for three plus hours, eight plus hours, like that's the escape. But you know what really helps that be an escape? Is when you win a fucking ball game. And we're not winning ball games. And so that really sucks. Mm. It's about all I got. I agree. <clears throat> Thank you, Dallas. <laughs> Thank you, Dallas. Appreciate that. Um, <clears throat> yeah, I'll be here if you need me. All right. <laughs> Yeah, I would say raise six seconds later. Uh, I would say raise your hand if you have something to say, but we can't see you either. So uh, hang in there, hang in there. If you uh, if you want to see this historical season that the Oakland A's are having, there are plenty of seats <laughs> still available, and uh, buying tickets to your favorite events shouldn't be stressful at all. Game time is the fast and easy way to buy tickets to all the sports, movies, uh, music, comedy, and theater near you. With killer deals on last-minute tickets and their best price guarantee, you can stop stressing over the uh, tickets and start getting hyped for all the fun that you'll have if you go out to the Coliseum at any point to catch some live Major League action. Uh, I would love at some point to go see the Oakland A's, use the Game Time app, pop that thing open. Best thing about it is you can see your, your, uh, your view from your seat before you go there. Like I don't want to go to all the way to the Coliseum and find out that I've got like a whole section of fans in front of me blocking my view, or I've got like a pole in the way or something like that. You don't have to worry about that. Now that's what the, that's the game time guarantee, baby. Forget planning months in advance. Game time has deals on tickets right up to the day of the event. Get exclusive flash deals on tickets for football, basketball, baseball, concerts, comedy, theater, and more. The Game Time Guarantee means that you'll always get the best price. If you find tickets in the same section and row for less, Game Time will credit you 110% of the difference. Buy tickets in a matter of seconds, two taps, and you're set. Tickets are sent directly to your phone so you never have to dig through your email. Download the Game Time app, create an account, use the promo code Jared, J A R E D. For $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account. Use the promo code Jared. $20 off. Download game time today. Last minute tickets. Lowest price guaranteed. Um, Okay. Thank you, Dallas. Uh, There were a couple of returns that happened since our last podcast. One Soto returns to D.C., And homers, Freddie Freeman returns to Atlanta and homers. Very interesting. I also, um, that was not Freddie Freeman's first time back to Atlanta, right, Joe? No, 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 no. So right now with the new pitch clock, if if you're anticipating a standing ovation, you have to go to the league and be like, hey, 
uh, we, we think that this guy's going to get a standing ovation. So don't give him a pitch violation for acknowledging the fans. The fact that Freddie Freeman got another standing ovation in this game, returning to Atlanta when it wasn't his first time returning means that they were anticipating him getting a standing ovation. Is that weird? No, no. He's already been obvious. back. Yeah, but come on, bro. He's already been Brace back. Brace fans That's... love Freddie Freeman. I love Freddie Freeman. But a standing ovation like with the tip of the helmet and everything, you do that your first time back. You know, Sentimental like, guy. Yeah, sentimental but you can, guy. you can, I guess, like, you can come back again and... I guess like it's fine to like do like a little fucking salute or like I'm well, not I saying think it's I'm not saying the Braves thing. fans are wrong for giving him a standing ovation. I, I just thought it was weird that not only did he like tip his helmet like it was his <laughs> first time, but they had to have like notify the league like, hey, he's probably going to get a standing ovation. He's going to acknowledge it. So don't give him a, a pitch clock yeah. violation. He's trying to acknowledge it. You know, if he if he does enough hat tips, he maybe he could stay and be on the team. That's his probably what's going through his mind subconsciously. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. If I I'm, say thank you to enough people, I will be on the Braves again. Mm. Hasn't I mean, worked yet. Joey's jokes aside, like I do think there's something to that, though, that it's it's happening to Freeman because there have been so many stories written and he has been open about that. It was a hard move for him to make and that he didn't really want to leave Atlanta. So I think it's easy for Atlanta to continue to show him love because he's announced. I still love you and I didn't want to leave. There are plenty of free agent situations where like they're they're well respected from the place that they depart <clears throat> and they just got more money somewhere else. But that it's more of a business transactional situation. And this does feel like like who is the last person to leave the team that they came up with and not only for a large free agent deal, but then to be so honest about how conflicted they were about that. I can't recall. I'm sure there is an example of it, but I can't recall one recently. And I think that's what it's about. Mm. It, it, I mean, can you think of another player who meant more to their organization? They were in an active player, like like a, a an equivalent to Freddie Freeman, where the entire fan base, I can't say entire, because there was shit talkers about Freddie leaving and his family and his kids and stuff that wasn't fucking me i know everyone tries to act like i'm the fucking guy who hates his family mm. that was other people mm-hmm. i was just echoing the words from the front office which i've heard because they don't like players who have families <laughs> and that's just a business decision yeah. and it worked in 2021 <clears throat> so shut the fuck up yeah. i like freddie but yeah they're gonna clap him for the rest of time there's i i I cannot see a day where Freddie comes back to Atlanta like first series of the season and not get an ovation. It'd be like 10 years from now, maybe. Because, I mean, Hayward was with him. Hayward didn't get shit, which I don't know if he expected to. It's been a long time since Hayward played in Atlanta, but I don't know how much time would have to pass before Braves fans just think, oh, Freddie's back again. Okay. I mean, anecdotally, it feels very unique for a guy to have played what was it, 12 seasons in a place and still be in the heart of his prime when he leaves on the free agent deal and to be able to come back and be like the star level player on the other team at that point. Like, Jared, you seem skeptical that that Freeman's unique in this regard when I stop talking. But like, I just I, no, I don't no, know. No. He came up at he came up at 20. And when he left, he was still an MVP caliber bat and continued. Well, Bogarts to be, came it, to mind for me. Sure. You know what? That's a great that's a great example. So I think yeah. 
I think Bogarts is a good is a good uh, analogous example. I would just say that I'm not even going to say that he didn't mean as much to the place because Bogarts was an, definitely a member not. of definitely a, not. I don't know, man. I don't like, know. Bogarts won two championships. Yeah, he did. But, but, the, but the Red Sox always have other players who are like as good as Bogarts or like who's the star of the team? Mookie Betts. Yeah. Chris Sale, like all these guys, like Freddie was the guy every single year for 10 years. That's they, fair. They had a Before the break, like, like the Braves had other stars too. I understand that like Freddie was like the cornerstone player, whereas like the Red Sox, like Xander was the, like, like you can make the case that Devers is better. Like obviously like he is better, but Xander was the guy. Like, like it's, it is comparable. We also have to remember that Freddie Freeman was in Atlanta before Ronald Acuna arrived for eight years. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like the vast ma- and the vast majority of his to to Joey's point, like we we are now remembering these like epic Braves teams that win World Series and and division titles and stuff like that. There was a brief period in between the nineties and this current run where that wasn't the case. And Freddie Freeman was the face of a lot of those good, not great Braves teams. That was that we're not surrounded by an enormous amount of talent like Julio Tehran, right? Like that was he was a signature player on some of those teams. Um, I can't believe he's still bouncing around, by the way. I can't either. It's impressive. But anyway, it is. I just that's I think it's cool that he still gets it personally. Yeah, I'm not saying it's not. I just thought it was interesting that that extra layer of. Like wet, while he was getting the standing ovation, I knew it wasn't his first time back in Atlanta. And I knew the rule of if you're anticipating a standing ovation that you have to check with the league first so that he doesn't <laughs> get banged for a pitch clock violation. Yeah. And the fact that it wasn't his first time back means that they knew that it was coming. And I was like, why would why would they assume that? I don't know. But it's also badass it's cool. that he fucking crushes against the Braves, too. Like yeah, three seventy five yeah. with a one one nine three OPS in eight games. Like whatever, it's eight games, but yeah, that's a lot more satisfying than coming back and being some fucking limp noodle against your old team. Yeah, yeah. Like Xander went zero for eleven over the weekend against Not the Red great. Sox. Take some Not of the great. fanfare out of it when you don't get any hits. Yeah, but again, that happened. That series was in Atlanta, so I think it might have gone a little bit differently if Xander was. Uh, making his return to Boston and playing at Fenway for the first time since sure. since leaving. But anyways, yeah, I, the Juan Soto homer in D.C. made me feel nothing <clears throat> um, like, yeah, he won a World Series there. But like I I already like so when I talk about Mookie Betts, I'm always like I he's he's a Dodger to me already. Like he doesn't feel like a Red Sox anymore uh, with Juan Soto. He doesn't feel like anything to me in my mind. <laughs> I'm waiting for whatever team he signs his mega deal with. Like that's going to be the team that I associate him with forever. Like he's not a gnat to me. I know it's it's they acquired what? Like two and a half years of service time, the Padres of Sotos. So like two and a half years, like you can do a lot in a two in, in a two and a half year window as a, as a big leaguer. But I will identify Juan Soto as whatever team he ends up with. It, it never felt permanent with him. Like when he came up as a 19 year old, 
and we saw how good he was, I was like, well, he's obviously not staying here. So whenever he gets traded, maybe there's going to be like an extension window when he gets traded. He gets traded to the Padres who do have the money. They haven't talked extension to, to our knowledge publicly. Uh, it does seem like he's going to go to free agency. He did turn down a fuck ton of money to stay in D.C. Uh, so, yeah, I don't know. It's it's almost like I've just never felt like uh, at, I'm settled in with Juan Soto. It's never felt like this is where he's going to be or this is this has a chance to be where he's going to be. And maybe the maybe San Diego is that team. I don't know, because like, maybe it's Washington. <clears throat> Comes yeah. back home, baby. Yeah, I don't know about that, but I think I think with uh, this the Padres spending habits, and again, I'm going to use the word recklessness because that's what a lot of it has been, like signing you Darvish until he's 55 and giving Bogarts 11 years uh, to sign him until he's 41. A lot of that shit has just been absolutely reckless, but uh, that just goes to show like we will spend whatever to do to to get the end result that we want. And I would have to think that if you're going to sign all these players until they're 40 something, that Juan Soto is a guy that you would want to keep around. I, you know who leads the Padres in war batting, uh, baseball reference war. Just guess. Um, Jake Cronenworth. <laughs> no. Uh, I'm going to say it is. Um, I mean, Kim sucks this year. Bogarts has had a bad month. <clears throat> Manny Machado has been awful. Uh, Soto has been... I mean, is it Soto? He's second. It's Ha Sung Kim, baby. How? Number He's been one. fucking awful. His well, according to the numbers. Yeah. They love his defense. Defense. I mean, his defense. defense is not championships. I guess. Um, I, the, the Soto going back to DC thing two things on that. First of all, all it does, I, I also feel nothing. The only thing that I feel from that is it reminds me of what a disgrace it is that that team was broken up in the way that it was. And that I cannot imagine being a billionaire baseball owner and having all of those cool players coming off of a World Series, let alone Bryce Harper from the year before, and being like, nah, I don't want any of these people, except for Strasburg. Um, like, I, I just... <laughs> The worst it, contract ever. Trading Juan Soto, like basically three years before free agency, I understand the contract negotiations didn't go the way you want to go. That to me just like defeats the entire purpose of what owning a baseball team would be about. Anyway, I do want to push back a little bit on what you said, and we don't need to make this a convo, but I don't think it, those contracts are only reckless because of how far they extend on the player's age, but they're only doing that to circumvent the luxury tax. So if we reimagine those contracts on a shorter timeline at more money per year, which is what they would really be if these teams weren't trying to snake a salary cap, basically, then I think they would feel a lot more normal. Like maybe Bogarts would still be overpaid by 10 or 15% per year or whatever. But I think like what's shocking about these deals is that they are extending them for 11, 12, 13 years but it's only like 28 or 29 million dollars a year. You know what I mean? Um anyway, I just wanted to follow up on that. But uh Soto since April 27, 354, 485, 671 in 99 plate appearances. So his OPS plus this year is basically perfectly in line with his career OPS plus entering the season. So yeah. I think yeah. we can I put, mean they're they're four games under 500. It's just it it to me like I get it on paper it makes sense like you want 
Xander Bogarts, good player. Manny Machado, good player. Juan Soto, good player. Like you're giving all these good players money, and but you're just like, we haven't had success, and I already know I want this lineup for the next decade plus. <laughs> like the same yeah. lineup we're gonna roll it out there for the next fucking eleven years. And by the way, I'm gonna wait. I'm gonna wait for Dallas to have better internet at some point. But there is a starting nine debate from I believe 2017 or 18. I know where you're going. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I was reminded of this from a from an OG listener saying, hey, you guys need to revisit this conversation. And uh so that's just a tease for for the next episode. That's gonna be that we <laughs> Yeah, it is. It's nice. It's nice when uh you're at the stage of your your podcast that you have seven years of debates to look back on and see how time has has treated them. Um so I, if you are an OG listener, maybe you do know what, what this one is. I not to give too much away, but I, I'm almost excited for the for baseball to hurry up and the offseason to get here so we can redo some of those drafts with Joey. Yeah. And, and yeah. Jake, if he wants to participate. But yeah. Yeah, that'd be great. Um, <laughs> that would be great. We had one of our first guests that we ever had was Jason Stark, correct? He came on early. Yeah, Stark was great. A yeah. uh, couple more things really quickly on Trey Turner. This is this is going to feel like a targeted attack against the Phillies because of the Phillies organization uh, trying to come at me for no reason. But um, it was just something that I, that stood out to me. Trey Turner, who I picked to be the National League MVP, by the way. So you can't even say that this is a targeted attack. It makes me look bad. <clears throat> um, Trey Turner said, quote, I'm honest with myself. I've sucked. But every at bat, every play, every game is another day to try and do better and try to be the player that I know that I am. If you harp on yesterday or you harp on your last at bat, it's just going to snowball on you. You're not going to be able to turn it around. So I'm honest with myself. I tell myself straight and I don't lie to myself. I think I'm a positive guy. I think I can always do better and can always be better. That's the attitude that I have. But at the same time, I know when I don't do something right. And uh, that is... uh. All that to say, Trey Turner said, I, I suck right now. The World Baseball Classic Trey Turner, that guy hit 391 with a 1483 OPS, five home runs and 11 RBI in six games. This regular season with the Phils, he's hit 251 with a 679 OPS, four home runs and 11 RBI in 47 games. So in in six games, he's hit one more home run than he's hit in the 47 games he's hit for the Phils. And he has the same amount of runs batted in uh, for the Phillies as he did in the six games he played in the World Baseball Classic. Not not great. No, and we talked about the why, like, why aren't the Padres good? And I think we, in addition to some depth issues specifically related compared to the Dodgers, the other thing we identified is that their stars aren't playing like stars, and particularly Machado. We haven't talked about it with the Phillies, but that's, I think, largely the case of what's going on here. Like Trey Turner on the offensive side and Aaron Nola on the pitching side aren't like this team is designed so that the stars play like stars. And if that's not going to happen, the team's not going to be very good. And we also have to remember that 
like the Phillies were basically an 85 win team in 2022 before an, an absolutely insane month. And that month will always those pennants fly or whatever. But if we're going to have a sober conversation about what is the quality of this team, then I think it's more like an 80 to 85 win team than it is a 90 to 95 win team, particularly if these guys are not going to play up to the standard that we're expecting. And like I was looking at it last week, Trey Turner, it goes both ways. Trey Turner has one of the largest year over year increases in strikeout rate in Major League Baseball right now. It's number six in baseball overall. And Aaron Nola has one of the largest decreases in strikeout rate for pitchers. So they need their best players to play better. And obviously, this is the first year of a $300 million contract for Turner. So, yeah. The Phillies are weird because it's like you look at them, other than Trey Turner, no one's playing that bad, but no one's playing like amazing. And they're pretty much average at everything like average hitter, hitting, starting pitching, 22nd at ERA, which that's probably their biggest weakness. Is because I guess those are the two guys that you can really point the biggest finger at personally is Nola and Wheeler, who haven't been good, who should be some of the best in the league. I think that's probably hurt them the most in terms of like what you expected. And, and like still a really good player last year, but also worth noting that, you know, what 20, 2020 is whatever it is in terms of player production. But in 2021, Trey Turner's OPS plus was 145 and it was 124 last year. So, if you're looking for signs that like, hey, the decline has started, like he fell off a little bit from 21 to 22. So you hope this isn't another kind of ledge that he's coming off of. Um, Because that wouldn't be good. (laughs) (laughs) Don't talk shit about my fills, though. I got still got faith in my fills. All right. I mean, Strom's kind of fucking it up in terms of the vibes, like getting Jared against the fills is not good for the team. (laughs) No. And and Strom has been their best starter. He's kind of not really a starter, but he's played well. But like, bro, like if you're going to do this and this could be a turning point in the season where I go to the Phillies game myself in person, I see a schwar bomb and I see them kill the Cubs. And like, I think, oh, the Phillies are going to be beast and they're going to win every game now. And then Matt Strom goes at Jared. And it's like, that's just another three weeks of bad luck right there. Bad vibes, dude. <clears throat> There's a lot of fills. I'd say the the best fills are Team Jarrett, Bryce Harper, um, Kyle Schwarber, Nick Castellanos. Then you got these other guys that want to get in the mix. <laughs> Seems ill-advised, you know. <laughs> You know, it just sounds like somebody's never worn 95 to the ribcage and it shows. Yeah, I'm sure Painter hasn't done that. So um, I agree, bro. (laughs) Pitchers, man, they don't know what it's like to get a freaking fastball up and in. They're just the guys throwing it. They they can just throw shots, no consequences. Yep. Yep. Doesn't work that way, buddy. Two weeks of bad luck for the Phillies. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, buddy. Uh, One last thing before we get out of here. Um. Jason Stark, he had this uh, graphic. I don't know if this was MLB Network or what, uh, but he he did the the Hall of Fame highway. And he said, in right now, Mike Trout, Justin Verlander, Clayton Kershaw, Max Scherzer, Miguel Cabrera, Zach Greinke, Joey Votto. In the red zone, Freddie Freeman, Bryce Harper, Nolan Arenado, 
Mookie Betts, Manny Machado, Paul Goldschmidt. On a path, Shohei Otani, Aaron Judge, Jose Altuve, Juan Soto, Ronald Acuna Jr., Garrett Cole. And then get back to me in five years, Vladimir Guerrero Jr. and Wander Franco. Mickey Moniak. And Mickey Moniak. Are there any players missing from this? I, I will say that the way he divided that up on first listen sounds pretty strong. Um, I would have to think about if there's anybody missing outright, but that feels yeah. like the right grouping of people. Like I'm not. To me, I don't, I don't think that Aaron Judge and Mookie Betts should be in different tiers. And if they are in different tiers, I think Aaron Judge is ahead of Mookie Betts. I disagree. On the Hall of Fame. I don't know. I disagree. I think, I think, uh, I think you might be underrating Mookie's place among outfielders at his age all time because um, he's got a pretty decent bulk edge over Judge at this point at a similar age. That's just Jared turning um, on a former Red Sox player. We've seen it before. No, I, I without looking, I would imagine their wins of a replacement are comparable. No, I think Betts has got him beat. Uh, I'm going to look it up. By how much? I'm going to tell you. I'm going to tell you, good sir. Uh, let's see. Batter comparison. Let's just pull them up both together. What do we see? Mookie Betts right now. So Betts has... Yeah. 57.9 to 38.9, according to baseball reference. So nearly a 20 war gap. That is obviously in favor of Mookie. That, in favor of Mookie. And that is impacted by the fact, of course, that Mookie has played almost 400 more games and has almost 2,000 more plate appearances. Yeah. So he's a compiler, is what you're saying. Well, Mookie Betts got into baseball at 20, in his age 21. Judge didn't get in until age 24. And that really mm-hmm. matters in terms of Hall of Fame accumulation. I think I'm Mookie Betts, I would be very more... surprised if he was not a Hall of Famer. That's where I'm at with him. Oh, I'm not saying Mookie's not going to be. I just said I don't know that they should be in different tiers. I think Judge's Hall of Fame case is going to be heavily predicated on how much are you valuing peak performance because he's very, very unlikely to get quantity performance Hall of Fame, I think. Um, Maybe. I mean, they're both going to have the chance because they both have contracts until they're 58 years old. Yeah, that's true. Like they're going to be around. I'm seeing a lot of black ink on this Aaron Judge page. Mookie's got some black ink, but it's it's been a while. His last real standout black ink season was his MVP season in 2018, which was not yesterday. Sure, but he finished fifth in the MVP last season. Hmm. They should be in the same tier, in my mm. personal opinion. Mm. I don't know that anyone's missing, though. Did Goldschmidt, is Goldschmidt on there? Goldschmidt's yeah. in the red zone. In the red zone with Nolan. That feels right. Joey Votto is in, according Let's to Jason go. Stark. Zach Granke, in. Let's go. Yeah. 
I, yeah, I, I don't know. know. I, I guess the, I, actually, I have two guys that I was surprised to not hear, and I I, I think I did not hear them. Uh, who I didn't hear Jose Ramirez, and I did not hear Francisco Lindor, and you did not. Yeah, I think that's a little bit surprising, um, given some of the names that we got into. Um, would you have? I don't think either one of them is going on a to be a Hall of Famer. Uh, I think I think Jose Ramirez is at least a get back to me situation because okay. he's at 41 through his age. He was basically at 40 wins above replacement through age 29 and coming mm-hmm. off a stretch where he's finished. He's been an MVP caliber player in like five of the previous six seasons. So I, I think I would have included him. Um, I mean, listen, by wins above replacement, he is currently ahead of Aaron Judge. So while that's not the end-all be-all and Judge has got hardware and records and stuff like that that Joe Ram's never going to have, I think he's an omission. I, would throw, I, I think I would say respectfully, Jason Stark, you omitted Joe Ram. Mm. Lindor's case has probably fallen name. off in the last couple of years, but what's your name? Freddie, Freeman, Freddie Freeman's in the red zone, but the interesting name that I have I'm not saying he's a Hall of Famer, but it's it is an interesting conversation to have if you really want to take the deep dive. Evan Longoria. Yeah, I I think that's going to end up being too compiley. Um, yeah, well, because I mean, compilers have gotten in before, Jay. Hey, for sure, there are weaker people in the Hall of Fame than Evan Longoria, and we we cover that on a on a segment on a recurring segment that happened earlier in this podcast, but. Um, mm-hmm. yeah, it's tough for me if you've spent like 60% of your career is basically just a guy, um, which I think would accurately describe Longoria, despite the first 40% looking like a hall of fame caliber run. Yeah. Dallas, would Damn. you, would you vote for Evan Longoria? Yes, I would. Why? Uh, because I think he's a quality baseball player. I think, uh, <laughs> I mean, what are his, what are his numbers? I, mean, uh, I, think, I believe uh, he's almost at 60 war for his career. Let me see. No, Dallas was asking what his numbers against Evan Longoria is. That's how he judges uh, Hall of Fame players. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You're like, oh yeah, no damage. Yeah, I, no damage. If he's we're going to go that route, Joe, if we're going that route, this is the fucking guy who tried to fucking bunt, tried to bunt. I was having a good day. Longoria hit in the middle of a pretty salty lineup and he tried to bunt. So, yeah, that's why I got Longo going to the Hall of Fame. I mean, if you're up there facing me <laughs> and you realize that you got a bunt, um, you know, I, well, I probably prayed for you. And then I appreciate it. But no, seriously, you're talking about a fucking rookie of the gold glover, right? How many times has he been in the All-Star? Fucking he has times. not made an All-Star game since 2010. That's a long time. He was that's 24 fine, years old. Resume, resume. Right. Yeah. Three time all star is on his resume. Yep. That's shocking. Okay. That is shocking to me. I would have guessed like six. I know. Well, you, but but like, hasn't there been like the one thing with Longo? I feel like there's been just little ticky tack injury stuff that is taken away from like full seasons, but he's still posted like, I mean, when's the last time the dude logged under 500 at bats? Uh, each of the last three seasons, <laughs> never <laughs> 22, 20, well, 2020, also 21 and 22. So the last two, 
Okay, so 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 yeah. for the first time in his career, also twenty twelve. Okay, but other than those, I mean, <laughs> it was five hundred plus every year. Yes. Yeah. So I mean, it, like it's, it's just been you know little shit. But I mean, I don't know how much I I like off the top of my head. I don't remember. I don't remember Longo ever leading a statistical category. Like he never led the league in homers. He ne- never, you know, he's never won a batting title. Um, nope, just uh, in RBIs. grounded into double play. He he led the AL in double plays, grounded into in two thousand nine. <laughs> that's his black ink. It's like that's Harold Bainesian, actually. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. No, I mean, I, I I think Longo is a guy who there's debates about. I think he is kind of like a knockoff. I think his case is basically knockoff Scott Rowland. Um, oh. And Scott Rowland yeah. got in. Yeah, that's um, that's it. Listen, there are and that's much not a bad thing when you're, when are, you're a knockoff version. Yeah, yeah, you're a knockoff version of a fucking Hall of Famer. I'll take that. <laughs> you know what I mean? Uh, but I'm yeah. not. I'm not Evan Longoria. I don't have fucking three hundred plus million dollars in the bank. I don't like so. How the world views me and how the world views him, he might have different opinions about that. But if my name is in the conversation, comparatively speaking, with a man who is in the Hall of Fame, I, I think I'd probably be able to sleep well. Evan Longoria in his career, four for 18 against Dallas Braden with three doubles, no homers, three ribbies. Couple walks, couple strikeouts. That's a 222 batting average and a 689 OPS. That's not going to get you into the hall. <laughs> no, it's really That's not. not going to get you to the hall, Longo. Sorry, pal. Sorry, bud. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, beat it. No, he's uh beat it. I mean, he and he is like I I I I like him for a lot of reasons, but one of the things too that you know, just watching this season, obviously with the Diamondbacks coming into town, like. Just the way he, the way he moves in the clubhouse, the way he moves on the field with, with the guys, like he knows that he's a serviceable player still. He also knows that there's a lot of benefit to him having conversations with guys on the bench. Doesn't mean he just wants to show up and, and be a mentor. He wants to fucking play baseball. He's a ball player, right? And at the end of your career, whether it's physically, whether it's emotionally, whatever it may be. You're just probably not as prime as you were. That's obvious. So, like, while he might be struggling, I I really appreciate what he's bringing to the table in Arizona right now for a young group who could use guidance from a guy who spent fucking 14, 15 years in the big leagues, a potential future Hall of Famer. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, all right. Baseball season's rolling. It's the best time of the year, and there are games all day, every day. And when I'm watching all the games and recording all these podcasts every week, it can be tough to get a handle on it all. But thanks to Xfinity 10G Network, I can stay on top of everything. With Xfinity 10G, you can power up to an entire house full of devices with ultra-low lag. You and everyone you know can stream every single game at the same time, never miss a pitch. And if you're on the go, Xfinity has your back with millions of Wi-Fi hotspots introducing the next generation 10G network only from Xfinity. The future starts now. Learn more at Xfinity.com slash 10G. Uh, Any final thoughts 
on this Wednesday. Uh, so much for the fucking quicker episodes. We got two hours of content on a Wednesday. You're welcome. If you don't like the longer episodes, sorry about it. Um, Jay, hey, any final thoughts? Uh, rapid fire nugs left on the cutting room floor. Uh, hmm. Seiya Suzuki, 825 slugging percentage since May 10th. That is the fifth best in baseball behind only Judge, Morel, Gorman, and mm-hmm. Freddie Freeman. Uh, Garrett Cole, uh, last five starts, 27 innings pitched, 14 earned runs. That was after a first six starts of 40 and two-thirds innings pitched, five earned runs. Uh, Graham Ashcraft, one of the great stories of April when he posted a two-flat ERA and 36 innings pitched for the Reds, had about as bad of a month as you can have posting a 12-9-8 ERA and 17 and a third innings pitched after another disastrous start last night. Um, We talked about how bad the A's are, but shout out to our boy Ruiz, 25 stolen bases through 50 games. That's the most in Major League Baseball since Billy Hamilton in 2017. Uh, Not a fancy stat, but I did want to shout out Corbin Carroll, uh, who was very hyped coming into the season and is just very quietly slashing 287, 379, 510, Good for an 889 OPS and well on his way to a 25-25 season at the very least uh, with homers and stolen bases. And then uh, Brian Bayo, uh, last five starts, 28 innings pitched, 2.57 ERA and 29 strikeouts. So maybe a uh, little bit of a turning of the corner for the Red Sox pitching prospect. Mm. Those, are my, those are my final thoughts. Thank you, Jay. Hey, uh, Joseph, any final thoughts? Yeah, man. Let me just talk about the uh, other day. Everyone gives uh, the Angels shit when Otani and Mike Trout go off and they lose, which happens once uh, every week. But <laughs> last night, two nights ago for the first time, I could never remember. They combined and didn't get a single hit, went 0 for 6, three strikeouts, and still won, baby. Mm-hmm. The reverse. Tungsten. Tungsten. Yeah, I fucked that up in the tweet too. Tungsten. Reverse tungsten game. I don't think that's ever happened before. It probably has, maybe hasn't. I don't know how to look it up, but yeah. first time ever. Congrats to the Angels. They're on fire. Sorry, Thank Red you. Sox fans. Celtics, you got the Celtics at least. <laughs> Thanks. Uh, Dallas, any final thoughts? Uh, we touched on it earlier. You touched on it earlier. We talked about it uh, at length a little, but in a day and age where we are now, and I will... <laughs> I'm I'm never going to look you in the eye and truthfully tell you that five innings of work was a great job, was fantastic, because it's fucking not. Um, So when you have a guy like Ivaldi doing what he's doing right now, uh, just enjoy it. Just just watch it. Just take it in. Because you're not seeing... Like, you... <laughs> We just don't have that going on in the game of baseball anymore. And for a lot of the complaints we have about the speed of the game and quality of the game and interest in the game, for a lot of folks, that has been based around offense. And there's a lot of folks who've been watching this game for 50-plus years who have watched great defense and great pitching lead the charge in the growth of the game through specific eras. So to watch a guy in a day and age where just getting through five is is applaudable. Watching him do what he's doing right now is pure 
pitching porn. Mm. Mm. Thank you, Dallas. Uh, Jake's takes. Uh, one more quick shout out to Xfinity for letting me watch multiple games at a time so I can watch the Red Sox at the same time I watch Matt Strom give up moonshots in Philadelphia. <laughs> I didn't say that. That's a good teammate, though. That's what a good teammate does. <clears throat> Thank you, Jake. I thought it was funny. My final thought last night uh, when Vladdy hit the grand slam off of Fraley, <laughs> like he usually has his little fucking routine that he does when he goes around the bases where like he has like a handshake with like the third base coach and then he does like the the sh- thing. He like he he fucking hit the grand slam off a position player, rounds third, looks at the third base coach and he's like, "Ah, fuck it." And like does like, "Eh." <laughs> he, he like half-assed all of his like shit that he does cuz he's like, "Yeah, as a position player, we're up fucking 20 to 1." Like, uh, it's kind of hard to do the whole shebang <laughs> given the circumstances. I respect him a lot for that cuz I mean, a lot of guys probably would have done the whole thing like oh yeah let's fucking go fucking forearm bumps like he was just like come on so respect (laughs) respect to vladdy on that play uh we will be back tomorrow uh for the thursday episode of baseball is dead again as always thank you guys for listening and uh for thank you to the people that actually have a sense of humor i appreciate you guys if you can actually detect sarcasm and humor Shout out to you guys because not everyone can and it makes this job a lot more fun when people can uh, have a fucking brain. It's, it's really nice. So we'll be back tomorrow. We'll see you then. Meow.